Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that your love for us is great. And um, when we think about love from our perspective, we often think about people who deserve our love. That's not the way you love. Um, Deserving or not, you are love. And that love pours out towards us in ways that we can't even imagine. So even as we read your word this morning, Lord, you've loved us in it. And um, you speak to us. So Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. Amen. Uh, Here's a verse from Galatians chapter 5 that you might know. It says this, For freedom, Christ set us free. Right? For freedom, Christ set us free. Hmm. If we were one of those, um, you know, happy, clappy type churches... A good portion of you, if not all of you, when I read, for freedom Christ set us free, would have said, amen, right? Amen. Praise Jesus. Clap. Cheer. Whatever. I don't care. Hallelujah. For freedom Christ set us free. And we were silent. So if we're not a happy, clappy type of church, what sort of church are we? So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Now this topic came up out of a conversation um, we had in the foundations course that a few of us are doing together. And then in an unrelated conversation Tim and I were having, same subject matter came up again and I thought, we're on a break from 1 Corinthians this week, so let's talk about that. And by the way, if you don't know what the Foundations course is and you would like to know about it, come and speak to myself or Aaron or any other the pastoral team members. Uh, specifically, it's for, um, yeah, if you're a fairly new Christian or if you're just new to our church, uh, we would love to... Uh, spend a few weeks together going through some of the the real foundations of your walk as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple. And um, this is one of the subject matters that we we look at, the Holy Spirit. And also, in a couple of weeks' time, when we return to our series in 1 Corinthians, we are going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to start speaking about spiritual gifts. And... um, That'll be interesting because, man, the church in Corinth had some funny ideas about it. And not funny ha-ha. So it might be good for us just to back the train up a little bit before we start talking about spiritual gifts and the way that we should think about them well or, or maybe poorly. And let's have a bit of a, a think about the subject of the Holy Spirit at a more personal level first. So here's the first point, if you're a writing down person, um, 
Here's the first point. And I've simply got down it that we should speak about the Holy Spirit in the right way. And so we should say, he, not it. All right? He, not it. So if we're going to speak about the Holy Spirit together, whether it's as a church together or in person um, with each other, then let's make sure that we are addressing him well, correctly. The Holy Spirit isn't an it, right? The Holy Spirit isn't some type of power source that you just tap into for the victorious Christian life. Nothing worse, isn't it, than when you're going somewhere and you look down at your phone and you see that dreaded, you know, depending on the type of phone or the make of it, my variety starts to turn red. The little battery bar. And it's like, gives me a percentage just to tell me how much of a loser I am for not plugging my phone in earlier. All right? You have 3% left. You know, go into energy saving mode and, and we run around the place. Where can I plug my phone into? You know? And if you're really clever, you carry around one of those little power packs with you. And uh, you can just plug your phone into that and give it a charge up and kick you through until the end of the day until you can plug it back in at home or something. And, and I've got to be honest that there have been a good portion of my early Christian life where that's how I thought about the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to live the victorious Christian life full of power and strength and victory. And the Holy Spirit was my power bank. Right, just find a way to plug into the Holy Spirit and you'll just charge up as a Christian. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Not, a, not an accessory. He is a unique individual within the Godhead. The, the triune nature of who God is. Keep a uh, ribbon or your finger in Galatians. We're going to come back there in a little while, but I want you to turn back to the Gospel of John for a moment. The Gospel of John. And I want you to just to hear again something that Jesus told his first disciples. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Just pause there for a moment. I know you can sit on the screen and look at it in your Bibles, but if you love me, you'll keep my commands. When I read that, when I, when I hear Jesus say that to me, I can imagine myself as being one of those first disciples standing there and, and you know, just hanging off every word that Jesus has to say maybe. And, and he says to me, hey, Chris, if you love me, Okay, I do, Lord. I do. Because, okay, let me finish the sentence. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Let's be honest. How are we doing with that? I look at my life and I just think, what hope have I got? How I, I can barely tie my shoelaces in the morning sometimes. 
keep all of Jesus' commands, how, how am I going to do that? How will I do that? So I love the fact that verse 16 follows very quickly after verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commands, Jesus says to the disciples, and, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you, you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. This is the, this is the, the insight, this is the foreshadowing in one sense of what was going to happen sometime later when the the disciples had said goodbye to Jesus and they were fearful of what was going to happen to them now. They'd seen the crucifixion take place. They'd seen the amazing miracle of the, the resurrection and now they've had to say goodbye to Jesus as he ascends back to the Father. The beginning of the book of Acts, we won't turn to it now, but the beginning of the book of Acts records Jesus saying to them, hey guys, stay in Jerusalem, wait for the promise. Wait for the promise. It's this promise that he's given them back in John 14. He says, and if you wait, right, you'll receive the gift and you shall receive power. And that's maybe where we've got this idea of the Holy Spirit being some type of accessory to our Christian life. A power bank for us. But that's not what Jesus promised. He promised a, a counsellor, a, a friend, Someone to walk with us. That, that if you love me, you'll keep my commands business. Jesus knows that we can't do that on our own. We need, we need his help. And so he gave us a, a friend to walk with us, right? So when we start speaking about the Holy Spirit, let's try to check our language a little bit. And let's try and eradicate. I know it's a, a habit for us easily sometimes to start talking about things that we don't understand well in impersonal terms. And the Holy Spirit is hard to understand. We can't see him. Even Jesus, when he described him, remember, he said, listen, the Spirit moves and we don't know where he's going. Just like the wind blows and the, the leaves get kicked up along the way and we can see that, but... So the Holy Spirit is spiritual and it's so hard for us to understand things that we can't see and, and feel and touch. And so... It can be easy for us to think of the Holy Spirit very impersonally. But he is a friend. And not just Jesus said to walk with us, but did you notice in verse 17, he said, but we'll be in you, in you. It's why I think Jesus told his disciples, listen, it's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for you that I go. I know we've spoken about this before. It's better for you if I go. He says, if I go, I'll, I'll send to you the counsellor, the comforter, right? the Holy Spirit. I think this is why. The, the first disciples, they got to walk beside Jesus. We as disciples, we now have not just God with us, but God in us. What a privilege, right? What a privilege. So as we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, let's try to 
shift our thinking, not just to a it, this it power that is outside of us somewhere, but God as a friend who lives in us. He is a unique individual within the Godhead. So that leads us on to our second point. The first one was he, not it. The second point is you don't use the Holy Spirit. You follow him. You don't use the Holy Spirit. You follow him. Now, did you keep a ribbon back in Galatians? Turn back to it. Because I want to read to you a passage from Galatians chapter 5, which is where we got, for freedom, Christ set us free. We'll get there. We'll be happy and clappy by the end of this service, for sure. Galatians chapter 5, but I want you to go down the passage down to verse 16. And we're just going to read a few verses. Galatians 5, 16, remember? We don't use the Spirit. We follow Him. Keep that in mind. Let's read verse 16 together. I say then, walk by the Spirit... And you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit. And the spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pause there for a moment. All right, when, when Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, again, let's shape our language a little bit. We don't want to just talk about using the Spirit, like, again, like you might use a power bank, use some type of accessory to enhance your life. Paul's understanding of our relationship with the Holy Spirit was one of intimacy one of um, closeness and of following, of walking with, of being led by. So I want you to take a note of a, a couple of key points out of that little short passage for a moment. Uh, the first one is this. The flesh, if you haven't already experienced this in your life as a Christian, the flesh, we might pause in a moment and try and just define that a little bit, but the flesh has desires for your life. What do we mean by flesh? Obviously, there's the physical sense, you know, wrapped around the bones on your body, and amongst all the other parts of you is the flesh of you. There's a the physical sense of talking about our flesh, our humanity. And so that's when it starts to shift a little bit in the Bible's use of that term, to describe who we are as a person, not just in our identity, but in our, particularly our fallen state. Um, Adam and Eve, remember, in the garden, made perfectly, flesh and bone, spiritual, in intimate relationship with God, walking with him on a daily basis through the garden, enjoying his creation, enjoying their role in creation, enjoying their relationship with each other, and then sin enters the world, right? It wasn't a passive thing. 
Adam and Eve willfully chose to walk their own path in the hope that they might uh, supersede their position in this world. That's what Satan offered them. If you eat that, you'll be like God. And that was desirable for them. Enough that they would disregard God's request, their command of them. And sin enters the world. Now, instead of enjoying their intimacy and relationship with God, they become aware of something. The first thing they became aware of was that God didn't give them clothes. So they, they all of a sudden realized that they were naked, but their nakedness didn't bring a sense of um, intimacy, it brought a sense of shame. Remember that? And so they did what they could to try and cover their shame. They covered their own flesh up. And um, it was a poor effort. God had to come in and give them something better. And it really sets the picture of what the rest of the story of the gospel is about, isn't it? Our shame. So when the Bible talks about our flesh, it's often talking about that spiritual sense of our fallen humanity. That, that constant state of battle of um, sin and shame in our life. And that we, under the curse of sin, under the effect of sin that's passed down now generation through generation in humanity, um, rebelling against who God says he is and who he says we are, and continually seeking to cover our own shame, our own sin with our own effort. And we need someone outside of ourselves to do that because we can, never, we can never cover it. We can never deal with it sufficiently. At the heart of the gospel is that story. And Paul says in this little passage in Galatians 5, the flesh, that fallen sense of who we are, it has desires for your life. But also, if you read that, it says that the Spirit has desires for your life. And Paul says those desires are in conflict with one another. And I'm not sure what that looks like for you, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that you can identify with that. Most of humanity, all of humanity, we, we talk about it in different ways, but we talk about this internal conflict that we experience in life, right? Things that we want to do, but we know it's not right, or we're not, we, don't, we shouldn't, and it's not good for us, or it's not good for other people, or whatever it might be. And it seems this constant battle within us, as, especially as Christians... We say, I know I shouldn't, I know I don't want to, and yet something in me drives me towards doing that. Or there's something in the opposite. I, there's something that I know that's right and good and I should, and yet there's something within me that seems to default away from that all the time. And I feel like there's this constant conflict in my life. And Paul says, yeah, that's because the flesh and the spirit are at war in you. That's the first thing I want you to notice. The second thing I want you to notice from that little passage, and it's from verse 18 in particular, is that following the Spirit is not the same as following the law. And when Paul uses the word law there, think of it like um, a code. You know, 
Um, I used to love watching or reading, not so much watching, we didn't have a TV when I was a kid, <laughs> reading stories. I read a lot of books when I was a little kid and I used to love reading about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, right? And um, I loved, as a, as a young boy, that, that concept of this sort of, um, the, the, node, the, the code that the knights would live by, you know, of honour and chivalry and bravery and all those things. And it was like this sort of code of conduct that they all lived their life by. And, um, and maybe sometimes it's helpful for us to realise that when Paul talks about the law in the, Bi- the Bible, it's sometimes helpful for us to think about it like a code If I follow the code, I'll be successful. So Paul's comparing here following the Spirit with following a code. And Paul says it's not the same. Verse 8, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Because the code is impersonal. It might be a list of rules, it could be a law, it could be an unspoken code, you know, those sorts of things that we have in our society, in our families even, sometimes unspoken things that we all understand and everyone must abide by, even though we don't speak about them. There's unspoken codes that we try to follow and live up to. Paul says, following the Spirit's not like that. Because we don't use the Spirit, you, you actually follow Him. You walk with Him. You get to know Him. Third thing I want you to notice about that little passage in Galatians 5, that to walk or to be led, and so if, if you notice in verse 16 and verse 18, there's two terms there, um, at least there is in the Christian Standard Bible. In verse 16 it says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, And maybe if you're like me, um, you might think, well, how do I do that? We'll get to that shortly. But in verse 18, Paul says, if you're led by the Spirit. So walking with the Spirit is like being led by the Spirit. So it's not like, you know, walking with the Spirit just means, hey, Spirit, I'm going to walk this way. Keep up. Not that type of walking with. I have a tendency to walk fast when I've got something um, in mind, all right? I'm not talking about spiritually here, just physically. I'm a reach-the-destination type of guy. So um, if I'm going shopping because Kath sent me a list of things that she needs for me to pick up on the way home, shopping is not a um, relaxing experience for me, and so I'm on a mission, Here are the six things. Six things on the list, nine things that I bring home. Um, And I'm just, like, I'm in there and I want to get to those six things and so I walk fast. And on occasion, I've taken my kids with me shopping, the the younger ones, they're they're with me. Kat says, can you drop off and get these few things for dinner? Yep. And I'm walking around and I hear, Dad, slow down. You know, my kids are somewhere three aisles away or something. They can't keep up. And I wonder how often I've done that in my life with walking with the Spirit, right? I'm on a mission. I'm doing something. 
It's good, something good too. And I wonder how often the spirit might just be going, hey, Chris, slow down, right? You're heading the wrong direction or you're just going the wrong pace or whatever it is. That's not the type of walking that Paul's talking about. Walking by the Spirit doesn't mean I'm on a mission and I hope the Holy Spirit keeps up to bless what I'm doing or something, right? No, verse 18 says, no, if you're led by the Spirit. That means I'm walking at the Spirit's pace in the Spirit's direction, not mine. So to walk or to be led by the Spirit produces something in your life that you would be unable to do on your own. Now, we didn't get that from verse 16 to verse 18 because that's just the introduction to this passage. But if we had the time, we could then go on reading from verse 19 onwards because Paul has set up this sort of scenario, right? The flesh and the spirit, they're both at work in your life. Even though this morning you might know, I I know Jesus, I've submitted my life to him, I'm a follower of Jesus, I love Jesus, and the spirit lives within me, surely I shouldn't have this conflict in my life. And Paul says, you will. The flesh is not dealt with finally yet. It will be, but not yet. And so the flesh is at work in your life, and it wants you to walk this way, pursue these things. The Spirit's at work in your life. It wants you to walk this way and pursue these things, and they're both in conflict with each other. And the question that we're left with is, who will we follow? Who will we follow, the flesh or the Spirit? Now, We're not going to read all of this, but verse 19 starts with, Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. And it goes on to talk about what the flesh is like and what it produces. The sort of fruit that will emerge in your life if you pursue the flesh. Paul gives us a list there. More than likely, all of us could add a few things to that list because we know what it's like to pursue the flesh in our life. But verse 22, these ones are famous verses, aren't they? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. All right, so there's different fruits that we can grow in our life. One fruit that's produced by flesh, another fruit that's produced by the Spirit. And the context is, who will you follow? Who will you follow and what fruit will be produced in your life? So I want you to notice that that to walk or to be led by the Spirit produces something in your life that you would be unable to do on your own. Because if it was on your own, it would be flesh and it would be completely different. So the first point was he, not it. Second point was you don't use the Spirit... You follow him. Third one is, and this point is a question, but how do you walk in the Spirit? It's all fine and good to say, let's walk in the Spirit. Hey, we are a a church that walks in the Spirit. And you're like, what does that mean? I mean, do we have to do sort of some weird things or do we have to become a little bit clappier? A little bit happier? How? How do you walk in the Spirit? 
Because I can guarantee, if you're a Christian this morning, you want spiritual fruit. True? You do. I know it. You want Holy Spirit fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You're going, I want all of that. I want more of that. A couple of weeks' time, we're going to talk about spiritual giftedness. And some of you are going, I, I want to know what my gift is. Some of you are going, I think I might know what my gift is, but I want to see it grow. I want to see it, you know, Paul says to Timothy elsewhere, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. And so we're like, I want to see that gift, you know, grow in its intensity and usefulness. I want to be useful to God. So I want to be gifted in some way. But we're left then with the question, but how do we get the fruit? How do we get the gift? And we know it involves walking by or being led by the Spirit, but we're still probably asking, but what does that mean? We're not going to be able to cover all of that today, but here's a couple, I think, foundational things that can start to shift our thinking and then start to shift our practice in what does it look like to follow the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, all right? to walk with the Spirit. So um, turn to Romans, Romans chapter 12. These verses may be familiar to you, reasonably well known. Romans chapter 12, keep in mind our question, how do I walk in the Spirit? It's a fairly abstract concept, right? Walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. What are some things that I can do, Chris, practically? All right, let's, let's try and drive down to be a little bit more practical now for a moment. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. Maybe we should do a full study on Romans sometime because it would be good for us to keep going here. But let's just take those two verses for a moment. Again, a couple of things that I want you to notice from those two verses. First one is, whatever it means to follow the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, is in view of the mercies of God. That's how Paul starts that little passage. It's in line with God's mercy, God's grace towards us. The Holy Spirit is not some rogue entity within the Godhead. The Spirit and walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, is in view of the mercies of God. It's in line with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. So anything that sort of you think, hey, hang on, is this the Spirit at work? Do I follow this? Is, this? is this the Spirit's prompting and leading me? We stop and we go, is this in line with what God has already said? 
Is this in view of the gospel? Is this in view of the mercies of God? And if it isn't, it isn't the Spirit. So in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Again, reasonably abstract term, right? Living sacrifice, bit of an oxymoron. Sacrifices in the Bible were always dead. There were things that were brought to the, to the table, brought to the, the sacrificing stone, and they were killed. They were offered up in totality, burnt, consumed. But Paul brings together now that concept with living, living sacrifices, where our bodies are given over to God. Not to say, my life is not worth anything, I might as well die, Paul's not talking about that type of um, extremist-type religious concept. He's just saying, hey, listen, if you live your life like you're saying, I am here for you, God, and, and my will, my, my agenda, I'm going to lay it down on the stone before you, and whatever you want to do with me, that's fine with me. That's what I want to do. That's a, that's a mentality. That's a way of thinking about your life. A living sacrifice. And then he says in verse 2, don't be conformed to this age. Uh, Long before the message came out and Eugene Peterson um, wrote it, which is a, a somewhat helpful paraphrase of the Bible to give you sort of different language, modern context of language maybe when he wrote it. Long before he did that, there was another guy that did that. His name was J.B. Phillips. And um, J.B. Phillips translates Romans 12 and 2, particularly that phrase, do not be conformed to this age, by saying, don't let the world press you into its mould. The world has a mould for us that it wants you to fit. That mould changes through the ages, I know. But there's a mold that this world wants you to fit. And it says, if for you to be successful in your life, you fit this mold. And the mold is what the flesh desires. <laughs> and Paul says, hey, listen, don't let the world press you into its mold. We have to fight against that. Be aware of the molds that are in your life right now that you're trying to conform to. Part of being led by the Spirit is observing the places that we're being shaped in unhealthy ways. And what is it that's shaping us? What are the things that are, the, that are pressing us? What are the molds that we need to fit somehow in this world? And Paul says, don't be conformed to that age, to that mold, but be transformed. How? Paul says it starts in your mind. We rush, we often rush to go, what do I do, Chris? How do I, what actions do I take? Is there a special formula, right? Is there this A, B, C and D? If I do these things each day, that means I'm being led by the Spirit. And there are helpful things that you can do, but Paul says, let it start here first. Renew your mind so that you might discern what is good that you might think well about who God is and about what he wants for your life. The good, pleasing and perfect will of God. So think about it this way. I want to use a, a, um, a picture for you. It's a picture of a trellis and a vine. 
a trellis and a vine. We all want the Spirit, don't we, to produce fruit, good spiritual fruit in our life. But there's a picture of a, a grape you know, vine, maybe. Go for a drive up the Hunter Valley, you see plenty of them. Let me tell you, um, the grape vines, if you haven't driven up through Picolban, are not just sprawling all over the ground, are they? They spend a fair bit of money and time building, maintaining, constructing good trellises, good structures for the vine to grow on. At the end of the day, though, do they make money out of trellises or out of fruit? What's the objective? Good fruit, right? They want good fruit so they can make good wine, so they can make good profit. But they know that good fruit won't grow on the ground. Good fruit needs to grow on a trellis. So what do they do? They don't just sit around going, gee, I hope that the fruit will just be really good this year. No, they spend time building good trellises. So here's the comparison. We can't produce what the Spirit can. Goodness, patience, faithfulness, self-control, all those fruits, we want them, and yet, no matter how hard you try, you won't be able to produce that. That's the Spirit's work in your life. But what can you do? You can build trellises. You can build healthy places for the fruit to grow. You can think about what is it, what environment will that fruit be able to grow in? One, one thing you do is identify the unhealthy moulds of this life. Yep. We, we need to resist that. But what can I build? What can I build in my life? Where, where can the Spirit be active and, and where can that fruit come? That's a good question to ask yourself. What things might I need to eradicate from my life? Yes, but what things might I need to include in my life that I'm not already? What things do I need to strengthen? What things do I need to enhance? So as a way of just finishing off, I want to read to you one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 1. We're not going to spend heaps of time in this, but I want you to just to hear it. And I want you to try and identify the psalmist's attempt at seeing unhealthy molds that he needs to steer clear of and good trellises, good structures in his life so that good fruit can grow. All right, Psalm 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked? or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. The Spirit is wanting you to follow Him. Not not like pursuing a power cord to recharge your phone, but in an intimate walk with Him. To, To be with Him, to listen to Him, to talk with Him, to walk, right? The picture of God coming into the garden with Adam and Eve, walking, meeting in the cool of the afternoon. That's the picture that we, we, we need to develop in our understanding of what it means to walk with, to follow after, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And there are going to be unhealthy ways, just like the psalmist says, hey, listen, there, there's ways that you can sit, there's ways that you can walk, there's ways that you can listen that are not going to be healthy for you. Where will you spend your time? What will you choose for entertainment? What will you think is worth pursuing in this life? And Paul, uh, the psalmist says, listen, there are ways that you can live that way and it leads to ruin. But there are those whose life and their choices and the trellises that they build in their life, the Spirit produces a tree which is planted beside flowing streams and I want you to notice it bears its fruit in season its leaf does not wither whatever he whatever he does right it prospers and what he's talking about there is that there are going to be seasons in your life where it's like a a famine a drought but the tree planted beside streams of flowing water it's not affected by the circumstances of life going on around it. It's saying, listen, I, my roots are down into the living water. That's where my roots are. And so the fruit that grows, the, the leaf that is there, looks different to everything else around it. Why? Because of where its roots are. Not because of the hot wind that's blowing or whether it's the right season or not. Anyway, he, not it. We don't use the Spirit. We follow him. And how? How do you walk in the Spirit? Well, it starts starts here with thinking differently. And then it works its way out into good trellises. What are the good trellises in your life where the fruit of the Spirit can grow? And maybe, maybe it also involves you realising there's a few moulds in your life that the world has set. A few, a few patterns of existing that we need, to, we need to call them for what they are and just say, this is not healthy. Not healthy for me, it's not healthy for other people around me. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to not conform to that. But I want you to know that there's always going to be a battle. Because the flesh is still going to be saying, hey, come on, this is going to be better. And the Spirit's going to be saying, Chris, church, whoever you, this is what it means to walk with me. Come, it's better, come. 
And so we need to continue to pray for one another, walk with each other, encourage one another, because the journey isn't done yet. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Because for freedom, Christ has set us free. Not, not to a code of conduct or a law or an impersonal relationship, but you have set us free to live a life of joy and plenty, of celebration even in difficult circumstances, and you have not left us alone. You've given us a comforter, a friend. So Holy Spirit, thank you for not only being with us, but in us. Lord, give us eyes to see the moulds of this life, the, the patterns of this world that we need to resist, identify and throw out. And give us eyes to see your steps so that we might follow in pace with you. Help us, we pray. Amen.